This morning we're going to start out with a little game, competition, whatever you want to call it. Just a fun activity overall. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you a list of, I'm going to show you an object, a tool, and you have to tell me what you think it does. Okay? You can just shout it out. And if you, if you have a name for it, that would be even more impressive. But I doubt you will. Okay, number one here. Look at it. What do you think it is? What do you think it does? A bike chain? Okay, yeah. That's a good idea. A safe? Like, like yeah, locking something up safe, okay. It does something. Mm. Okay, this is called a hat. A hat conformator. It is used in old-fashioned hat making to measure the radius of someone's head and like the depth of the hat and everything. So this is, people would wear this on their heads and then they would use all the measurements to get exactly what the shape was. Uh, there are like boutique hat making shops that still use these, yeah. Okay, number two, what do you think this is? What do you think it does, rather? What do you say, a seat? Yeah, I think scale would help here. Uh, imagine it's about this big. A spoon, okay. What do you think, what do you think? Okay, a magnifying glass of some sort. Espresso, that's, yeah, okay. Definitely has something to do with food, I'll give you that much. No, not ice cream scoop, what? No, this is a bag sealer with a spout on it. So you, it's a clip, it comes out. So you open a bag and you clip the bag shut and then that open part opens up and then you can just pour things out. Yeah, it's a good idea. I don't know what the name of it is, but you can look up a... Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. But I mean, you can buy them in the US. Okay, what do you think this is? You, it's this piece of plexiglass, not the computer. Okay, this piece of plexiglass here over the computer tray. What do you think it's for? <laughs> Sneeze guard. <laughs> Could I think do that? Dust cover. What? No. No. Humidity is usually bad. You don't want to keep humidity in with your electronics. Yes. That's exactly right. This is a cat cover. <laughs> this is exactly what it's meant to do. It's when your cat loves to walk on the keyboard, do, 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 mess up all your work, send that embarrassing email to the wrong person or whatever. This is a cat cover. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, what do you think this is? That... that cup-looking thing attaches to the pole. A light bulb, a light bulb changer. A light bulb changer? Yeah. Okay. Good guess. A bug catcher? Good guess. Like a ceiling bug catcher to get rid of the creepy crawlies on your ceiling. A pooper scooper? Pooper scooper? <laughs> good guess. Drain cleaner? Not a bad guess. This is a smoke detector tester. 
So it comes with a can of smoke detesting, like, a, like essentially canned smoke. Yeah, you could just light a match. <laughs> but you use this can, you press it against the ceiling, and it lets out a little smoke, and then it tests your detectors. As if pressing the button that tests them isn't good enough. Yeah, but here we are. This is, this is a thing. Okay, number one. This is interesting. What do you think this dish is for? It, it looks like a satellite dish, but it's not for satellites. Hmm... Not for sound. It does look like those things from the kids' parks or like the science museums where you talk and like echoes. Is it a weather thing? No, it had nothing to do with weather. No, nothing to do with this golf. Nope. It is an alien spaceship. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> nothing geothermal. Nana, you got a guess? No. It is a cell phone signal extender. So you set your phone. They use these in Australia in the outback. They set your phone right here, and they tune the dish to point at a cell tower. And so it amplifies the signal and pushes it right towards your phone. So you have to set your phone right there. Yeah, pretty interesting. So instead of installing towers in the middle of nowhere for cell signal, they just capture it from really far away. So it's kind of like a satellite dish, but for cell phones. Okay. What do you think this is? A stopwatch. No, not a stopwatch. Scale for your luggage? No, tire gauge? No. No, not a depth measurement gauge. No, nothing scuba related. I suppose you could use it underwater if you wanted to, but... This is a converter that lets you measure distances on maps. So you roll this wheel and you can see how far, and this one over here has different ratios. So like if you travel one inch, it will tell you how many miles on the map it actually is. Yeah, pretty interesting. Okay, last one here. Probably the hardest one is, what do you think this is? There's a plexiglass tube here, trays, dials. What do you think it does? No, not a shoe sizer. Shite, shoe, shoe sizer. <laughs> a what? Not a blender. No, has nothing to do with eyeballs. A lot of speculations. I don't hear any confident guessing though. Books. No, nothing to do with books. This is a baby x-ray machine. <laughs> this is a baby immobilizer with a plate behind it that lets you x-ray a baby's chest. It is real. You can buy this model in the middle for $13,000. It is so hard to find a picture of one of these without a baby in it. I looked for a long time. To find a picture of one of these things without a baby in it. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I, had to, I ended up having to go to a website that sold this thing to find a stock photo without a child in it. If you, if you search for baby x-ray machine on Google, you just get a bunch of tubes with children in it. 
I cannot give you my methods. They're secret. There's everything on the internet, Don. You can find anything. Like I said, you can purchase this one for $13,000 if you want. So the next question is, why am I showing you this? What do all these things have in common? They are built with a specific purpose in mind. Right? Sure, these objects can be used for, used for things they're not intended for, but they would not function optimally. Yeah, you could use the mobile phone extender that I showed you as a shade in the hot sun, but it's not going to use not be as good as an umbrella. And you could use the hat conformator as a hammer if you wanted to, but it's not going to drive nails as well as a hammer. And I've tried. I mean, you can essentially anything as a hammer if you try hard enough, right? I mean, I've used pliers, knives, rocks, pieces of, other pieces of wood, shoes. You can use anything as a hammer. Every tool is a hammer, just not as good of a hammer as a hammer is. It's a confusing sentence. All of these things, the point is, all of these things are made and created with a specific reason in mind. And we are the same way. The problem is that a lot of people on this planet walk around, they have no idea that they are created for a specific reason. They are suffering without the understanding that there is a creator that has given them purpose. You could say like we're a bunch of pliers running around trying to be hammers, essentially. And it isn't working. But I think the Bible illuminates the human creature and shows us what it means to be human. To be a human as God intended us, the way he created us. So this week we are starting a new series called Created. Where we're going to be looking at the foundational elements of what it means to be a created human. So our series is going to be using the first couple of chapters of Genesis as a jumping off point for our studies. So go ahead and turn there with me to the book of Genesis. We're going to be looking at chapter 1 to start us off here. So in the beginning of Genesis, you guys are probably familiar, God creates everything. No big deal, he just says it and it's there. Pretty classic God stuff. And our verse of interest today is on the sixth day of creation, which starts in verse 26 of chapter 1. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. On the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant, yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth, and every tree which has fruit-bearing seed, it shall be good for food for you. And to every beast on the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and everything that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given every plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth the day. So on the sixth day of creation, God made us. 
and he made us in his image. And this is a really interesting phrase and a powerful phrase as we will come to find out. This phrase also has a special meaning to the people who would have heard this back when Genesis was first being written down. You see, in that time, when Genesis was oral tradition and then became written, kings uh, were the main system of government. And there were cultures like Babylon and the Egyptians who had this working theory that the kings were representatives of the gods. All right, So the kings were, in fact, the images of gods that people could see, which is what gave them the right to rule. For example, the pharaoh was believed and proclaimed to be the son of Ra, who was the main sun god of Egypt. And the same was true for many kingdoms and belief systems in the East. And so that this meant that the kings were the only ones who could hold on to this idea that they were created in the image of God, which is a stark contrast to how the Bible talks about people. The verses we just read said that God created all people, not just a specific group of, or certain individuals, but all people in his image. And there's another major difference between how the Bible says we were created and how there, the other creation stories in this area and this time said that we were created. So I'm going to give you two examples here. Uh, the first example is the Enuma Elish and the Atrahasis Epic. Okay? So the Enuma Elish, I'm probably going to mess it up at least one more time, <laughs> is an ancient Babylonian creation myth that describes the birth of the gods and the creation of the universe and the creation of the people. And this was around during this time. And it's a pretty weird story. It involves uh, two main gods who are birthed out of the water, and one of them becomes the god of the fresh water and the god of the salt water. And they have kids, so the children gods end up winning a war that starts between the two gods, uh, two groups of gods. So you have the parents and the children, and the children uh, end up winning, and there's a god named Marduk who is victorious. And Marduk creates humans out of the blood of the god uh, Quingu, who is blamed for the whole war starting in the first place. So he's executed, and then Marduk takes his blood and makes humans. And importantly, in the Enuma Elish, it records that people were created by the gods so that they could do the menial work that the gods didn't want to do. According to the Enuma Elish, we are here to do the bidding of the gods and to essentially be their slaves. And then there is the Atrahasis Epic. And the Atrahasis Epic is the Sumerian creation account. And in this story, there are the upper gods and the lesser gods. And the lesser gods try to... Uh, and the lesser gods get tired of doing all the work of the upper gods. And so, guess what? They decide to rebel, and they're going to go to war. That's the favorite thing the gods love to do. They love to go to war. But before war broke out, the upper and lesser gods reached an agreement. And they said, you know what? There's no need for war. Let's just create a lesser being to have to do the work instead. So they created human beings. And so they killed another god named Awu. Or, sorry, excuse me, A-Elu, and mixed his flesh and blood with clay and created people. So that's where you came from. But then the people, I, I thought it was a joke, but I don't think this is where he actually came from. We'll get there. 
So the, the, in the creation account here, the, the people start getting so numerous and they start spreading so much that they get very loud and annoying to the gods, <laughs> which I understand. I can, I can sympathize with that. So the god Enil decides to destroy them all with a flood. So these other creation myths were in the ethos at the time that the Genesis account was being written down and recorded. It was also around during the time when the Jewish people were trying to follow God and establish their nation. And so if you imagine that these are like two major belief systems, how different is that from the way that God says that we were created? These false creation accounts say that people were annoying slaves designed by the gods to do their bidding and to serve them. The creation account in Genesis says that God created people for his good purpose and in his image. Not just the kings, not a specific group of leaders, but everyone is born with that quality, which gives every human innate value. And even today, when we compare the Genesis creation account with what the mainstream uh, belief is about the creation of the universe, we see that it also contrasts our purpose and our place in the universe. We were talking about that a little bit this morning in Sunday school. Um, there, there's a lot to be said that's different when we say that people are a happy accident from chemistry and that everything we see and experience is happenstance, and we compare that with we are created by a valuable creator who created everything else, and he's put us here for a purpose. He's made us for a reason. That's a pretty contrasting view. And so we've seen people abuse other people for thousands of years because they believe in the premise that our value is not innate and that some people are more valuable than others. So what does being in the image of God entail? Well, we get some clues as to what God intends by digesting what he says around our creation account here in Genesis chapter 1. So let's look at that. There are some three major, pass- or three major points um, in this passage where God tells us to rule over and subdue the world. He mentions it in verse 26 mentions it again in verse uh, 28. He says to subdue and rule. And a part of this is that when we think of rulership, we think of dictators and like the bad part of rulership, right? We think of all the things that can go wrong in corrupt leaders. But that's not what God had in mind when he's talking about our rulership. God created us to be more of managers, Right? He created us to have dominion, to be stewards, to be good stewards rather than harsh rulers. He wants us to take care of the animals he created. He wants us to build things. And he wants us to generally create things out of the resources of this world. And when we do that, we are fulfilling a command that God has given us. So like I said, all these things can be abused. The things that God has given us can be abused and have been abused by people. And that's because sin has entered the picture. And our initial relationship with God has been broken. And I think being created in God's image means that we also are creative in the same way that God created us. For example, God gave us trees, but he didn't make tables, right? 
That was us. It's like nowhere in his creation accounts does God say, oh yes, and here is what a table is. God gave us leafy greens. He gave us cows for milk. He gave us grain to grow, but he didn't create the ranch dressing salad with croutons, right? You guys get what I'm saying? That I think he's given us this ability to be creative, to be stewards, to be rulers. And that's what it means to be in God's image. Another command that is early here in this passage is that he tells us to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And of course that involves having babies and children, but that's not what we should limit the scope of this to. It's not like God's just like, okay, all you have to do is have kids and then you're good to go. No, he's talking about filling the earth. And with population growth, naturally comes building community and villages and cities and nations and cultural culture in general. God designed us to be these uh, community and relationship builders. And he says, go and fill the earth. I want you to be my people. I want you to I want you to spread and create a world that I have given you. I want you to create a nations and a community. We also see in this passage in Genesis that we were created in God's image in our entirety. It's not like God made a person. He says, all right, here's what a person is, and this part of him is like me. He said, no, I made this whole person in my image. Our entire blueprint is from God himself. And that doesn't mean that every detail of who we are can be reflected back onto God and like transposed onto him. I don't think it works that way. It's not like we are gods and God is God. And we can say, okay, therefore everything that we are like can be applied to God. He's different. He's special. He's unique still. But we are created in his image. And that means despite ethnicity or popularity or class or country of origin or age, or your current health status, or your intellect, you have value. Because God made you in his image. And we see that point reinforced in scripture. Even just a few chapters later, in Genesis chapter 9, you can turn there with me. Look at verse 6. Whoever sheds man's blood... By his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. So God is giving a reason why murder is bad. He's saying murder is bad because when you kill a person, you are killing someone who is made in his image. When you kill someone, you are destroying something that is made in the image of God. Imagine how the world would be different if every culture valued human life in the way that God commands us to. I think another interesting point to deduce from Genesis chapter 9-6 is that this verse comes after the fall of Adam and Eve. Right? So the Genesis 1 account is before sin is in the world. But this Genesis 9 account is after sin is in the world. Which means that just because of sin, we don't lose our God-bearing image status. Right? That doesn't change who we are and who we were created to be just because there's sin involved in the world now. We're still made in the image of God. That means everybody, saved or not, is in the image of God. So here are a few things for us to take away. Number one, we are created. That's probably one of the primary things that we're going to be taking away from this whole series and from this message is, yeah, in fact, we're made. We have been made by a creator for a purpose, for a reason. We have a specific kind of 
being that we are. Which means that we're designed. Which is different than just being created. It's not like God got a lump of clay, pushed it together, and gave us life and said, okay, I guess that's what a human is. And there we go. No, he said, I'm going to create something with function and characteristics in mind. And I'm going to, do, I'm going to create it to do specific things. I'm going to create it to rule. I'm going to create it to build community. I'm going to create it to take care of this earth that I've created. And we're going to be looking at what God has designed us to do over the next few weeks and how the Genesis account tells us who we are meant to be. And number three, this all means that when we combine the belief that we are designed by God and with his holy scripture, that we can know who we are, which I think is pretty cool. This gives us a way to gain the understanding in our life of who we are meant to be, how we think, how we feel, why are we drawn to certain things, why does it seem like there's a common human experience that stretches across all cultures and time? Why are we here? What are we meant to do? Those are the simple questions that the Bible seeks to answer, right? Obviously, those aren't simple. Those are big-scale human nature problems that are almost unfathomable without a place to start. And that's where God's account gives us a place to start. So I hope you're excited as much as I am for this series. I'm really looking forward to talking about who were we created to be? What does God have in mind for his creation? And I believe that there is no downside to better understanding ourselves and other people and our relationship with God. So come and join me next week. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning and to look at who you created us to be. I pray that you help us to fulfill and to recognize what we are meant to do. Let us see the dignity in other people. Let us see the value in other people and in ourselves. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.